This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio, 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County in Bloomington Normal, 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 in DeKalb Sycamore, covering much of Central and some of Northern Illinois. We're going to have a great show for you today. I'm here with my wife, Lynn. I want to remind everybody out there that we are brought to you by you. So any donations that you can make, we would very much appreciate. And uh, if you would like to make a donation or learn more about us, you can go to our website, and that's catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's catholicspiritradio.com. You can also call us, and our number is 309 807-2427. Again, that's 309-807-2427. And uh, best uh, to do, actually, is to go to our website if you can. And uh, again, that's catholicspiritradio.com. It will tell you a lot about us, and it will show you how to make a donation. And uh, any donation, large or small, will always be welcome. I want to also remind everybody that there are some events coming up here uh, shortly in the future. On September 29th and 30th, that's a Thursday and a Friday, there will be a special trip. Catholic Spirit Radio is sponsoring a trip to Canton, Ohio. And there uh, you will visit Mother Angelica's uh, neighborhood and museum and learn a lot about Mother Angelica and, of course, how EWTN was started. There also is the uh, Rhoda Weiss Shrine, Rhoda Weiss House, and uh, she was a person who had uh, visions and very much influenced uh, Mother Angelica and uh, made uh, caused uh, her to, Rita Rizzo was her name at the time, and caused her to uh, become a religious and eventually she has started EWTN, and it's a very interesting trip. And uh, also, on the way there, there will be a stop at St. Mary of the Wood Shrine near Terre Haute, Indiana. And uh, it was uh, started by uh, St. Theodora Guerin, uh, a nun who came from France and uh, started uh, uh, the uh, church there and uh, did a lot of work in that area. And uh, it's a very, very interesting stop as well. So it's going to be a great trip. And uh, if you would like to go, you can go to our website again, catholicspiritradio.com, and learn more about that trip. Or better yet, just listen to our station, and there will be information in the next uh, month here all about it. And you can sign up for it. It'll be a great trip. Uh, I'm here with my wife, Lynn. And uh, today we're going to talk about what's going on in our society There has been a progressive, if you want to call it that, the the word progressive, or a secular attack, or attack if you want to talk about it from the left, on the rosary. Sort of a reaction, I think, uh, to the abortion decision that we've had just recently by the Supreme Court. And uh, now, on account of that, uh, there seems to be an attack on the rosary, uh, a charge uh, against Catholics that the rosary is somehow some kind of a weapon that Catholics use uh, in some violent way against uh, people. So we're going to talk about that. 
before we start, my wife is going to talk about the rosary, and she is going to talk about how we got the rosary, and which is a very interesting story in of itself. And then from there, we'll talk about what's going on in society today and why and how Catholics, uh, in, in my opinion, should react. So I'm going to turn it over to Lynn, and she'll talk about how we got the rosary. Oh, the rosary. It's one of the oldest devotions, Catholic devotions. And the thing that people don't realize is they, uh, people that aren't acquainted with the rosary or know nothing about it, of course, think that it's repetitious prayer and that Jesus said, don't pray, you know, repetitiously. What he meant was you don't pray repetitiously with uh, saying the same things over and over again to expect hocus pocus or whatever, you know, it's, that's not what the, what it is. What the rosary is, it's a guide to relive through the mysteries that we are given to uh, meditate on during the rosary to become closer to Jesus and to God and to the things that Jesus went through in his life when he was here with us. And people don't realize that. It's very biblical. In the joyful mysteries, there are five mysteries that we pray. The first one in the joyful mysteries is the joyful, sorrowful, and glorious. The joyful mysteries begin with the Annunciation. And this is straight out of the Bible. It's from uh, Luke one twenty-eight. Uh, look it up. And what what is it? Gabriel is sent by God to Mary to to let her know that God has chosen her to be the mother of the Messiah. And what does he, how does he greet her? Hail, full of grace. Right there in your Bible, open it up and look. Hail, full of grace. And to be full of grace means that there is no sin within you nor had there been with Mary no sin. She was conceived without sin so that she could conceive a child and not have have the child tainted by any type of sin or any edge of it. Nothing could, could affect this child. And who was this child? It was the Son of God. And he could not be born of someone that was had any tarnish of sin within them. How did uh, the, the uh, this is sort of like a product, you know, of the church and um, concerning Mary and concerning the birth of Jesus? But how did some of this stuff get started? I mean, how far back does the rosary go in Lynn? Well, actually, it goes back. Well, some people say that there are inklings of it in the Old Testament. I haven't seen that, but actually, it goes way back. And the rosary itself, St. Dominic in 1200, in the 1200s, he died in 1221, he had a vision of Mary, and she gave him the rosary and told her in the form that we know it today, and told him to use it to preach about Christianity and Christ, to use this as a method of teaching about Jesus. Because remember... Got to remember, most people were illiterate at the time. 
And during this period of time, the 1200s, is when many of the, well, the monasteries and uh, the Order Franciscan Order, the Dominican Order, were all established at this time, and people could not read. But they wanted to follow what the monks were doing, so they would, uh, the monks said, all 150 psalms in a day. I can't imagine trying to get all that in a day. <clears throat> so people couldn't do that. So what they did was they said 150 Our Fathers, Apollonostra, and some would take be, uh, rocks, little pebbles, and have 150 of them in one pile, pick it up, say Hail Mary, and put it, or the, Our Father, and put it in the other pile to keep track of what they were doing. And then eventually they got string and made knots in it so that they could uh, keep track of how many prayers they had said to make sure they got that 150 in. Well, eventually it became Mary's Psalter because the the prayers that the monks said were the Psalms. And the people couldn't read. They couldn't remember all of them. So they had the our fa- the Paternosters, what they said. Well, then eventually it was changed to the Hail Mary, and it became Mary's way of, to pray. It was sort of the Psalms transferred over to prayers to about prayer. Mary, and yes. it was sort and of a parallel the of the New same Testament thing. Too. Right. right. So St. Dominic was given this rosary by Mary and told to told to use this when they when he tried to preach and convert the people. So that was the very beginning. And it has evolved. By the fifteen hundreds it was a, a set practice of devotion in the church. Very powerful. In fact, one thing that's pointed out uh, that you hear frequently is the Christian flag. When the Muslims fleet attack came to attack our the Christians, Pope Pius V asked the people to pray, and they prayed the Rosary. And they had processions around in Spain and in Italy, praying that the Christian fleet would uh, turn back the Muslims. And they prayed all day long the Rosary over and over and over again, and by a miracle, and it was a miracle, the Christian fleet defeated the Muslim the Muslim flagships and destroyed their whole fleet. So that shows the power. In Fatima, more recently, Mary asked that we pray the Rosary daily because it was powerful and to keep evil away, a way to keep people from uh, the devil. So sounds superstitious. It works, and you can't deny that. Yeah, when you talk about the fleet, was that at the Battle of Lepanto? Was that? I, I, yes, it was it the was. Battle of Lepanto. And I think the Muslim fleet outnumbered the Christian fleet by just a, a tremendous amount. Mm-hmm. And yet, uh, it was uh, the Christians that did win that battle and actually saved the West from a total Muslim invasion. They had moved all the way, you know, into. Uh, taking over Spain, Spain right, as far as Spain, right? Mm-hmm. The edges of Europe, and uh, you know, almost up into Constantinople and and other areas, and we're moving north. You can take a look at a map, and you can see uh, all around the Holy Land, around the Mediterranean. At one time, that was all Christian, and you can see that uh, by the time of the Battle of Lepanto, that uh, the Muslims, that was in fifteen seventy one. That battle, right? That battle was quite late. And uh, they had moved uh, very far to the north by that time. You're right. 
And so it was a real miracle that they were stopped. They were on the verge of going into England and France, the Muslims were. Exactly. And, well, Spain was really under their thumb. Yes. But they they got these, the rosaries, what has been accredited to saving, um, saving Europe from the Muslims. In fact, the Feast of the Holy Rosary is October 7th. So That's be, the day of the battle. Yeah, that won't be very long from now. That'll be coming up shortly. Yes, it will. And the angels, the archangels, their feast day is, I think, September 29th. And St. Michael, the archangel, is uh, October 1st or 2nd. Yeah, and St. Michael, the archangel, has a lot to do with Mary, as we'll find out as we go along. Mm-hmm. So that was the origin of the rosary. People have been very devoted to the rosary for over 800 years. After things were changed and the mass was changed, it seems that people had fallen off a bit. And look what's happened to our society because we aren't praying and we don't have the devotion to Jesus through his mother. makes a big difference. I mean, who would you go to to ask for something special? You probably would end up going to grandma or mom because dad said, no, you can't have something or can't do something. You know, a mother can sway the father. Yeah, well, in Jewish history, of course, you know, there was a a king could have more than one wife. And so the, uh, you know, the queen mother, the mother of the king was also a queen, and the queen mother was very, very important because you couldn't have, you know, like say the man, the, the king could have been married to three or four women or more. But they weren't queens and because. They, yeah, they couldn't be all queens, you're right. It's the mother of the, the king who had the power, and she's the one you would go to to ask for her to intercede for you. And that's what the rosary is. You're asking for, for the mother of the king, Jesus, who is king of this world, and he goes to her to ask her to ask her son. You know, what it, at the wedding feast of Cana, what happened? They ran out of wine, and what did they do? They went to the mother and said, we have no wine. And she went to the son. And even though he said, what's that have to do with me? She said, just listen to him and do what he says. And he had no choice, I don't think. Ever met a Jewish mother? <laughs> her son is the primary focus of her whole life, and he will do as she asks. Believe me. And it's the same thing for us. We ask Mary to intercede for us to her son. Exactly. So anyway, the rosary goes back a long, long time to the Middle Ages. And like you say, it comes from uh, uh, saying prayers repetitiously and not in the repetitious way that Jesus condemned. As you pointed out, Jesus was condemning useless prayers that were played prayed to pagan gods. It wasn't the repetition of prayers that Jesus was condemning. He was condemning when he says, you know, repetitious prayers that are useless and do no good, that are in effect being made to gods that don't really exist. And that's what he was saying. He wasn't saying the prayers were bad because they were repetitious. I mean, you know, uh, after all, we have uh, in, in Scripture itself, we have in heaven the angels and so forth constantly singing holy, holy, holy and other prayers uh, that are repetitious, but it's not uh, something that was being done in a pagan way to gods that are fictitious and really don't exist and have no power at all. Right, right. So it's a meditation 
think of that. Remember that it's a meditation, and you meditate on the life of Christ and his mother in that. And we're going to have to stop here and take a break. Uh, we're coming up to the end of our first segment, so stay with us. We'll be right back and talk a little bit more about what's going on today with the, the secular attack on the rosary. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. The next Catholic Spirit Radio pilgrimage is September 29th through 30th. We'll be going to Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica. We'll tour the Mother Angelica Museum and visit the Rhoda Weiss Miracle House. Rhoda had the stigmata and interceded for the curing of Mother's physical ailment. This bus trip also includes a tour of St. Mother Theodore Guerin Shrine at St. Mary of the Woods, Indiana. Check the Catholic Spirit Radio website for details. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break, and we're talking about the rosary, and the reason we're talking about it is there seems to be uh, the start right now, and there always has been sort of an attack on the rosary from various secular societies, but it seems like it's been ramped up, and uh, the so-called progressive uh, left, uh, or the uh, you might want to call the the uh, woke people, the wokesters, I guess, are attacking the rosary. They're accusing Catholics who say the rosary or pray the rosary of using the rosary as a weapon, uh, that uh, they're sort of like a right-wing militia and acting like a right-wing militia, and that they're being, in effect, vicious or uh, inciting violence through the use of the rosary. They're comparing the rosary to a weapon. They're comparing it to a gun. And uh, they're, the rosary is being used to gun down evil people. But in effect, they're saying, you know, the rosary is being used to uh, disparage people and against people who have a different point of view and that the people who are using the rosary are not uh, being really Christian and they're not taking into consideration other people's differences. Uh, they're calling the people that use a rosary fascist in nature, and they're in effect they're militant, militant and Catholic killers. Uh, and it says it shows their hatred. You know, they're always talking about uh, hate speech, and they're in effect saying that the rosary is a form. They're using it as a form of hate speech and violent nature. And then they're accusing the people of uh, practicing superstition with the rosary, and uh, on and on and on. And in my opinion, a lot of this, of course, is a reaction. Why is it happening right now? It's a reaction to uh, one of the reactions, not not the only reaction, but one of the reactions to the, what has happened uh, with the Supreme Court decision. Uh, Roe versus Wade has been overturned, and uh, we have a lot of people who are uh, on a rampage about it. In fact, they're not hiding that at all. Uh, they're on a rage. And, and calling uh, the, uh, what they're doing days of rage at what happened with the Supreme Court. And the fact is, is that a lot of the pro-life people have been praying the rosary, uh, hoping for a change or a turnover of Roe versus Wade. Uh, many people in our society, of course, thought that this would never happen, that Roe was fixed, and especially with uh, a lot of the uh, liberal left and uh, the woke type people in power that this uh, didn't have a chance of happening 
and yet uh, it did. Uh, the Supreme Court, uh, of course, did not overturn Roe versus Wade. I talked about that last week. Uh, in order to simply uh, oppose abortion. They did it because of the convoluted process that Roe versus Wade was arrived at and uh, a, a twisting and, and a misuse of the Constitution. But nevertheless, these people see it differently. And a lot of them understand that in some way or another, it was the rosary that was that at one of the hearts. It was at the heart of a lot of attacks uh, on abortion and Roe versus Wade. And so they're reacting by rejecting the rosary. I mean, they're, 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 they're not going to take this sitting down, and there's a lot of pushback, and uh, that, that's what's been going on. So uh, the question then becomes, and we're going to answer that question, is the rosary a weapon? How should the Catholics look at the rosary? Uh, shouldn't the Catholics look at the rosary as a weapon? Is it a, and is it a weapon? And uh, my answer to that is, you bet it is. <laughs> the rosary is, was considered a weapon against evil from the very beginning. And the rosary centers around Mary and uh, the whole opposition to evil by Jesus Christ centers around Mary. And the more we understand this and the more we understand Mary, the more we will understand how Mary is a bulwark against evil. And also the rosary on behalf of Mary is also a bulwark against evil. And Catholics should not be ashamed of the rosary. They should not be out to defend the rosary as if somehow or another they're on the defense and the, these other people are on, are on the attack. The other people are on the attack, all right. And the fact is, is that the rosary is a weapon that should be used to, to defend ourselves against evil. The rosary, as we'll see, also is tied up in, in, in close to uh, St. Michael the Archangel. And, of course, we call on St. Michael the Archangel to defend us in battle. And there is that word battle. And uh, that we are in a battle against evil. We have been as Christians from the very beginning. Uh, Christians are to understand themselves as soldiers in a war against evil. Soldiers who know in the long run the evil is going to be defeated, just as Roe versus Wade was defeated, and it will be a long, hard fight, but the the uh, light will win out against the darkness in the rosary, and uh, Mary is part of that process, as we'll see. Uh, right, and Paul, in Ephesians 6, talks about how you need to put on the armor against uh, the armor of God to defeat Satan. Exactly. He, he tells us that uh, our enemy is not flesh and blood, but our enemy is the principalities. Isn't that what he says? Yeah. And uh, the, principalities and, and powers, powers against the world rulers of this present darkness. Exactly. And he's talking about the present darkness of the world, and we're in the world. And uh, the fact is, as Paul tells Christians, you should be in the world, but not of it. Right. And so uh, that's exactly what our role is. And as Catholics, we are processing when we have mass and the priest and the, uh, the altar servers and uh, attendants are marching up the aisle. It is symbolically marching east. Uh, the Christians themselves, the Catholics, marching east 
toward the new Jerusalem, which is coming down from heaven to touch the earth, and the new covenant is being fulfilled right in the mass itself, and that is what we see. And uh, so that is, in effect, an army marching toward the new Jerusalem, overcoming uh, as Christ overcame the evil in this world and darkness that we are facing. And Mary's role in it is very important, and that's what we're going to talk about. Is there anything more you want to say, Lynn? No, other than this is a reaction to, was it the Atlantic magazine published the article, the Atlantic, they had an uh, article in there accusing Catholic Christians of being very militant and, well, <laughs> we're, that we're stirring up problems and we're using the rosary as a weapon. Well, they must believe it must be a weapon because why would you say that? Well, I think actually, actually, we should take pride from that if they're just saying that the rosary is a weapon, because it certainly is a weapon, and we are they must in a, be fearful, right? We are in a battle, just as Saint, you know, when we call on Saint Michael, Saint Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray. We say that prayer every time we close on this show. And uh, we're going to find out that uh, St. Michael was very involved, Jesus, Mary, and St. Michael, uh, and uh, as being the base of the rosary and Mary being a, a huge force against evil, just as Christ, the Lamb of God, was a force against evil. And we'll get to that as we go along. Uh, Mary's role, as, as we know, we can go back to, uh, well, let me go ahead and just, I'll, I'll, I'll skip over here to uh, some information I have uh, on Mary, and we'll go right back to the beginning, because uh, what we want to emphasize is this, Christ tells us, and the gospel, the, the scripture tells us, that Satan, you know, was a liar from the beginning. He was evil from the beginning. There is that stress on the beginning. Right from the very beginning, there was Satan. Right from the very beginning, he was a liar. And so we need to go back to the beginning and understand Mary's role in conjunction with Satan and uh, in conjunction with Jesus and in her opposition and her, her role in conquering that evil. Uh, so in order to fully appreciate the biblical roots of the new Eve, because we see that Mary is the new Eve, we must go back to the story of the first Eve in the very, very first book of the Bible. As the narrative goes, God placed our original parents, Adam and Eve, in the midst of paradise on earth the Garden of Eden, Eden, giving them a single prohibitive commandment. You may freely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. So the serpent, Satan, enters into this scene as the tempter, whose desire was to seduce our original parents into breaking God's law. And unfortunately, he was successful. He deceived and overcame the woman, Eve, who in turn became an instrument in the devil's evil plot by leading Adam into what the church calls original sin. 
No doubt the devil thought he had won when Adam and Eve fell into his trap, bringing death upon themselves and their posterity. After all, God had clearly declared to Adam that in the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall die. All appeared to be lost. Through the envy of the devil, sin and death entered into the world. But all was not lost, however, because immediately after the fall, God spoke directly to the devil, promising the coming of a new woman and her seed, a new Eve and a new Adam, who would together oppose and overcome both the devil and all of those who follow his ways, his spiritual seed. And he said in Genesis, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. That's in Genesis 3.15. And he says, between your seed and her seed, and that's the seed of the devil, and also her seed, which, of course, is Jesus Christ, because Mary was the mother of Christ. And so her seed is Jesus. Scholars call this the Proto-Evangelium, or the first gospel, because it's the first announcement in the Old Testament of the coming of the new. The Catechism comments, after his fall, man was not abandoned by God. On the contrary, God calls him and, in a mysterious way, heralds the coming victory over evil and his restoration from his fall. The passage in Genesis is called the Protoevangelium, the first gospel, the first announcement of the Messiah and the Redeemer of a battle, and there it is, the word, between the serpent and the woman, and the final victory of a descendant of hers, and that descendant of hers, of course, is Christ. Uh, and it goes on here. But it goes on, it says, both the woman and her seed are placed in parallel and in opposition to enmity with the devil and his seed. They are placed in a separate category from the devil and his seed, which represents all of fallen humanity, the devil and his seed. This has eye-opening implications for the Immaculate Conception. John tells us that is Mary, born you know, into the world without sin. He who commits sin is of the devil. Paul says that fallen human beings are by nature children of wrath. In this sense, all of mankind is influenced by the devil and overcome by him at times and in varying, varying degrees. We are all the serpent's seed. Mary and her seed, Jesus Christ, are uniquely excluded from this category. So we can see the beginning here how important Mary is to the opposition of evil. And it goes on. And we look at uh, the Revelation, and uh, it says... Right after chapter 11, which, of course, there weren't any chapter numbers back at the time that Revelation was written, probably written by John, it says that uh, after talking about the Ark of the Covenant, then a John or you know looks up and a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was with child, and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to bear a child, that he might devour her child when she brought it forth. She brought forth the male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Now a war rose in heaven, 
Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and there is Michael. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had borne the male child. Then the dragon was angry with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandment of God and bear testimony to Jesus. And of course, that woman in the sky is Mary, because Mary is the bearer of Jesus who came to rule the world with a rod of iron. And right, in John, in John 1, first letter of John, John 1, uh, he says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So. Exactly. And uh, the point is, St. John point is not merely to say that Jesus, he goes on and talks about the word, is the God who created in the past, though he certainly affirms that to be true. His point is that Christ is the beginning of a new creation. So when Christ comes, there is a new beginning. We're talking about the devil was a liar from the beginning. We're talking about Genesis, the old beginning. We're talking about the fact that in the old beginning, we had Adam and we had Eve. Eve was created from what? From Adam himself. Eve was created from Adam's flesh, and see, she and Adam were both subject to sin, and Eve, a creation from Adam's flesh, sinned by disobeying God's uh, command not to eat of the fruit, not to eat of the tree of knowledge, and uh, she disobeys, and then she influences her husband, Adam, to disobey, and of course, Eve is of the same flesh, bone from bone, flesh from flesh from Adam. He is the, she is the same, the same flesh, and so Adam, you know, who actually gave Eve his own flesh, is subject to the same thing that Eve is. This might also make it clear to women that uh, women don't have some kind of a special uh, sin. And men were somehow innocent until, you know, Adam was innocent until Eve somehow influenced him. Adam was subject to the same temptations of the flesh that Eve was because Adam gave Eve actually her existence and they're both of the same flesh. And that flesh was flawed and that flesh was subject to sin and that flesh was subject to fall. And so, as we said in the beginning, it looks as if the fall is going to be once and for all, and there's going to be no remedy. But there is a remedy, and we're going to come back here. We have to stop and take a break. We're going to come back here in the last part, in our last segment, and talk about how, how Eve, uh, I mean, how Mary is the new Eve who is part of that remedy. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. The next Catholic Spirit Radio pilgrimage is September 29th through 30th. We'll be going to Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica. We'll tour the Mother Angelica Museum and visit the Rhoda Weiss Miracle House. Rhoda had the stigmata and interceded for the curing of Mother's physical ailment. This bus trip also includes a tour of St. Mother Theodore Guerin Shrine at St. Mary of the Woods, Indiana. Check the Catholic Spirit Radio website for details. Hi, this is Bob Johnson. You're listening to Being Catholic. We're back from our break. 
and we're talking about the attack on the rosary. And uh, we talked a little bit in the beginning about how we got the rosary, how it started way back uh, in the Middle Ages, back around 1200 or, or so, and probably even earlier than that. As Lynn said, there are even some hints possibly in uh, the Old Testament. But uh, at any rate, uh, the rosary is being attacked as some kind of a, uh, an evil weapon uh, against uh, other people. And the Catholics somehow or another are supposed to be put on the defense over it. But the fact is, is that the rosary certainly is a weapon, and that is a compliment because it's a weapon in the war against darkness and against evil. And we're talking about Mary, and the rosary concerns Mary and how that came to be. And so uh, we're going to talk here uh, about uh, the wedding at Cana. And uh, the, the, we, we were talking about the very beginning in Genesis. Uh, it tells how uh, the world came into a being, how the heavens came into being, and then how sin came into being, and how Adam and Eve fell, and how Eve was subject to this flesh of Adam, and both were subject to temptation and to sin, and it happened. And it looks as if uh, there's going to be uh, the fall is for good and there's going to be no remedy. But the fact is, is that God does provide a remedy. And that remedy is through Jesus Christ. And uh, Jesus Christ is, is through Eve. And, and so Eve becomes a very, very powerful person in the Bible. And we need to know more about her. In order to really be close to Christ, we need to be close to, uh, when I say Eve, I mean Mary. We need to be close to Mary. And uh, without Mary, we really can't know Christ. And there's an old saying, and it's, uh, no Christ, no Mary, meaning N-O Christ. No, no Mary, you know, without Mary, there wouldn't be any Christ. And then we say, no Mary, and no, you know, no, no Christ or no Mary, no Jesus, meaning K N O W. That is, if we know Mary, we will know Jesus, and uh, we will know how Jesus's mission started, and how it is a new beginning, and it's a crusade also against the dark forces of Satan. It goes on here. It says. After John's theological introduction to his gospel, drawing heavily on imagery from Genesis, he begins his historical narrative with a message of St. John the Baptist leading up to the beginning of Jesus' ministry at Cana. Framed rather conspicuously by seven days, no doubt echoing back to the creation story from Genesis. So, and in John's gospel, the wedding at Cana is recounting the seven days of creation uh, that we find in Genesis. So here are the seven days of the recreation of the universe that is brought about by Christ. So we are talking here about a new beginning. And Satan was a liar and evil from the very beginning. He was the prince of darkness and uh, from the very beginning. And here we are talking about a recreation, a new beginning with Jesus and Mary. And uh, we are talking about a new Adam and a new Eve. And we're talking about a, a beginning to reverse what Satan did. And Mary's role is, is uh, primary in this reversal. It goes on, it says, verses 18 to 28 represent the first day. 19 to 34, the second day, 
35 to 42 the third day, and 4351 to the fourth day. So there's four days in in uh, John's gospel uh, leading up to the wedding at Cana. There's four days here being talked about, and just as the days were being talked about in Genesis. So we have the first four days. And uh, it goes on, it says, Then in 2, 1 of John, St. John skips to the seventh day when he says on the third day. But you see, he says on the third day after we've already gone through four days. So the third day after the fourth day would be what day? It would be the seventh day. So John is talking here about the seven days of creation, and he's talking about the seventh day of creation uh, in this passage uh, from his gospel. And on the third day, a marriage took place at Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, this is the third day after the fourth day. That is the seventh day. Jesus, too, was invited to the marriage and also his disciples. And the wine having run short, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, what is that to me and to you, woman? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the attendants, do whatever he tells you. In other words, she knew that he was going to act. This this first of his signs, Jesus worked at Cana of Galilee, and he manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Now, you can see what's happening here. As the first Eve moved Adam to sin, Eve was the one, the first Eve moved Adam to sin, to disobey God's law, God's rule, uh, not to eat the fruit of the tree. And Eve moved Adam to sin. And now we look at the new Eve, and she moves Jesus Christ to start his mission. Even though Jesus Christ says that his time has not yet come, his mother, in effect, doesn't pay any attention to that, knows what he is going to do, and says, do whatever he tells you. And so her influence is, Mary's influence was for the world to fall, and uh, I mean, rather, Eve's influence was for the world to fall, and Mary's influence, the new Eve, is for the world to begin its new creation. Uh, In other words, what Mary, what rather, what Eve uh, came to destroy, in a sense, Mary comes to save, and Jesus comes to save. So, this is a huge effect here. So, uh, no two humans could ever say that until the coming of the new covenant. The, the second Adam calls the new Eve woman. So again, this is what the the uh, old Eve was called, woman, and Mary is called woman by Jesus, and so she is being compared to the old uh, Eve, but Mary is the new Eve. Mary come, whereas the new Eve came in effect to help destroy Mary came to recreate and to save. You can see it very, very clearly. And that's why Mary is so powerful. So at any rate, I'm going to go on here. Uh, So she is the new Eve, and she came to undo what the old Eve did. So we have a brand new creation here. It starts out in Cana. It's very, very clear uh, that she causes uh, Christ to start on his new mission. Uh, whereas uh, 
the old Eve caused Adam uh, to fall. So Jesus Christ, in this sense, is the new Adam, and uh, he is it, uh, acting in a different manner than the old Adam. He is inspired to uh, to start his mission. And we also want to take a look at uh, the fact of uh, the humanity here. Um, Eve, the, the, the old Eve, got her humanity from Adam. And uh, Adam, you know, was of this earth. And Adam was, you know, not born without uh, the concupiscence, that is, the ability to sin. And look at Jesus. Where does he get his humanity? He gets his humanity from Mary. And Mary is born, you know, without sin. Her sin is taken away at birth. And uh, so, you know, the immaculate conception, she is born and the sin is taken away from her at birth. And that's where Jesus gets his humanity from. He gets his humanity from Mary. And so Jesus's humanity is without sin. Uh, Mary is without sin. Jesus's humanity is without sin. Uh, so she is the sort of the wonder of the world, the uh, human being born uh, without sin. Well, Mary was conceived without sin. Right, conceived without Not sin. Not born. Well, conceived well. conceived without sin. And, uh, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, the fact is is that at any point that, that, that Jesus gets his humanity from Mary, and uh, whereas the old Eve got her humanity from Adam. Right. So it's reversed. In other words, everything is reversed. The new creation here that we're talking about at Cana, is reversing what happened with the old uh, uh, creation. And what we have to look at is what's going on today, and we have to look at what evil is. Evil is, in effect, the reverse of truth. Evil is the reverse of reality. Evil is the opposite of light. You know, it's the shadow of reality. It's the shadow of truth. I mean, we talk about John's gospel. What does he say in the very beginning of his gospel? He said, in the beginning there was the Word, you know, and the Word was with God. And the Word, you know, the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness grasped it not, is is, is what we're talking about. The light, Jesus existed, in fact, from the beginning. The light of God existed right from the very beginning. And so... When we yeah, take, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we are, have looked upon and touched with our hands, the light was made manifest. That's Jesus. And we saw it and testified to it. That's Jesus. Exactly. And, and the, the whole... Uh, his whole mission is started by Mary. Her influence, again, the, the influence of uh, Mary on Jesus is a positive influence, where the influence on Eve was Adam was a negative influence. And if we take a look at what's going on today, we can see the evil in the world is it's a distortion of the real. We're talking about people who believe actually that one gender can be changed to another that a male can become a female and a female can become a male, and that it's proper to use pronouns in the opposite way in which they're supposed to be used. 
In fact, Satan is exactly this. He is the darkness that is the opposite of the light. He is the mirror image of the good. Good is a positive thing. Evil is simply the absence of the good. And so we're beginning to see what's going on in our society. There is an actually absence of truth. There is an absence of reality. There is this idea that people can be transformed from one thing to another. We are starting to see that we are calling crime somehow or another uh, the opposite of what it is. Uh, We are allowing it to happen. We are calling evil good, and good evil. Isn't this what Paul says? He said they will call good evil, and they will call evil good. Uh, Paul himself can't see. He said he had the scales fell from his eyes, you know, when he was knocked off the horse uh, uh, in, in Scripture, and the scales fall away from his eyes, and then he can see that he has actually been operating in darkness and doing the opposite of good. And we can see the same thing that's going on in our society with our change in our language, in which we believe actually that, that uh, one thing can be changed into another, that the lies can somehow be truth, and truth can be lies, and uh, everything is the opposite. Jesus came to reverse all of that, and it was through Mary that it was reversed. I mean, the very fact that she starts him out on his mission and uh, that he listens to her and is moved by her just as Adam was moved by Eve, but he is moved in the opposite direction that uh, Adam was moved. He's the new Adam, the opposite of the old Adam, and Mary is the new Eve, the opposite of the old Eve, And so the rosary, when we pray to Mary, has the force of overcoming the darkness uh, that John talks about, the Word uh, coming into existence and uh, the light coming into existence and the whole uh, change and attack on what's going on today, the evil that's going on. And we pray the rosary. This is definitely a weapon (laughs) against it. And we can see, for example, that uh, if we go to Revelation, and we talk about the beasts of Revelation, and I think in, in that John, and I think, I think pretty pretty certain that John wrote Revelation, uh, it's the revelation of Christ to John at any rate, and uh, the fact is, is that the question is asked, who can stand against these beasts? Who could withstand what's going on in Revelation? And then John sees what? He sees a lamb standing as if slain. Here is a lamb, one of the weakest things, you know, the weakest creatures in the world. And yet it is the lamb that destroys the beast. It is the lamb that can win the battle against evil. It is the lamb standing as if slain. In other words, Jesus Christ giving up his life uh, up to God in order to uh, restore and save mankind in a new beginning. And we're seeing the same thing with Eve here. Is, with the, I keep saying Eve, the same thing with Mary. Here is a little girl, fifteen years old, and she is going to stand against the evil of the devil. We see it, you know, when when uh, uh, we look into the sky, and there in the sky, you know, is a woman, you know, clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and. Uh, uh, a baby being born with a rod of iron who will rule the world. And this is this is Eve. In other words, this 
little girl, this 15-year-old little lamb-like that you would never believe would be anything that could stand against the kind of evil that is, is, is whipped through the world back at that time and is whipping through the world now. But it is. It is Mary. And we see that so much in John's Gospel when he starts out with the whole parallel between Genesis and then over to Cana, the parallel of uh, a wedding, uh, a new beginning, and that's what a wedding is, and then the idea that the people are out of wine and they need new wine. And then what does Jesus do? The first miracle he works, he creates the new wine simply out of water. And what do we have back in Genesis? The Spirit moves over the water and creates the whole world. And Jesus moves over the water. And what does he do? He creates the new wine. And what is the new wine? The new wine is that which is going to, in effect, save the world, start a new creation. And the whole church itself, as it processes on its way to the new Jerusalem, coming down to touch the earth in our mass, this is the whole idea, a, a parallel to Genesis and of Mary's role in starting Jesus and ourselves on that march with the new creation and the new beginning and overcoming with the new truth, the lies and the devil at the old beginning. So that's how important Mary is. And that is why the rosary, when we pray to Mary, is so powerful. And it is a weapon against Satan because it is Mary and Jesus and also uh, St. Michael the Archangel who originally uh, helped uh, throw Satan out of heaven and uh, down to the earth. And we see all of that in John's Gospel. And so we're going to have to stop here. But that's how important the rosary is. That's how important Mary is. That's how powerful Mary is. And uh, we should understand that. And we shouldn't ever be ashamed of it. We should be proud of it. And the people who attack this are giving themselves away because they are afraid of the rosary. And they are afraid of Mary because Satan himself, in effect, is overcome through the birth of Jesus from Mary. And so we're going to have to stop here. And But that answers the question of why are the people attacking the rosary? Because it is the greatest weapon against evil that the church has. And we as Catholics need to say the rosary, understand it, and be proud of using it as a weapon. So we're going to have to stop. St. Michael the Archangel, giving us in in battle, battle. be our our protection against against the wickedness and snares of the the devil. devil. May May God God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world for the ruin of souls. Amen. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com 
or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3, and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Stewardship. Jeremy Belsky is your host for real-life stories, encouragement, and ideas to enhance your own gifts of work, wealth, and wisdom in response to God's blessings for you. I'm Jeremy Belsky, and today's topic is The Ideal Christian Steward. What would it cost you in terms of personal sacrifice? Have you ever given thought as to what it would take in terms of personal sacrifice to bring yourself closer to God? Becoming a good steward partially entails stepping out of ourselves in order to be properly aligned with God's gifts for us. But stepping away from our selfishness can be difficult. What would you have to sacrifice to be an exemplary Christian steward? What would you have to take a closer look at? Your desire to make money? Seek power? Examine a friendship? Is what you are listening and watching contrary of Christian stewardship? Use the gifts God has given you for the good of the church and to do so tirelessly. We need only to be reminded of the apostles and the sacrifices they gladly made to carry out the mission of our church to bring Christ to people and people to Christ. Take a close look at what you can accomplish when you seek to serve God through the gifts He has given you, and when you unconditionally make sacrifices to share your gifts with others, you will begin to be open to God's good graces of love, peace, sharing, and caring for you. I'm Jeremy Belsky, your host for Spirit of Stewardship. To learn how you can better share your talents and resources, contact your local parish priest. Your level of involvement in the church now positively impacts our faith in the future. One truth, one voice, one church, one body, one soul, one cross, one Savior, on one station, the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. The next Catholic Spirit Radio pilgrimage is September 29th through 30th. We'll be going to Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica. We'll tour the Mother Angelica Museum and visit the Rhoda Weiss Miracle House. Rhoda had the stigmata and interceded for the curing of Mother's physical ailment. This bus trip also includes a tour of St. Mother Theodore Guerin Shrine at St. Mary of the Woods, Indiana. Check the Catholic Spirit Radio website for details. <laughs> 